Well, it's pretty clear what the first thing is that Jesus wants us to do. First and foremost, he wants us to seek the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 137. The title for today's episode is Jesus Said Do This First, Seek the Kingdom. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. I've got a question for you. Have you ever imagined what it would be like if you had lived in the time of Jesus and were able to hear him preach and teach? Would you have been one of his followers? Would you be bold enough to approach him and ask for healing? I wonder sometimes if I would have been one of the twelve disciples, but there are a few times in my life I've probably been more like one of the Pharisees. If you and I had lived back then, how seriously would we have listened to and embraced what Jesus said? How would we have thought about Jesus? Would we think he was just another guy trying to get attention, maybe some new prophet? Or would we have perceived that Jesus was the Messiah? I know how I want to answer that question, but I really don't know for sure. We can see the whole story in the gospel now, but if we were living back then, we wouldn't know everything that we know now. Back then, if you decided to follow Jesus, would it be because so many other people were following him around? Or maybe it was just good entertainment and you wanted to see him put those hypocritical religious leaders in their place? Or would you grasp the deeper meaning and importance of what he was saying? Every once in a while, I think it can be helpful to ask these kinds of questions, not in a longing way, wishing we had been there, because we have our own purpose to fulfill right now, but in a thoughtful reflection kind of a way to think about how we're going to sincerely follow Christ today. So. Let's assume that you were living in the time of Jesus and that you earnestly chose to follow him because of the truth he taught and that you had become convinced he was the Messiah. Imagine for a minute if Jesus had come to your house for dinner. What would you ask him? What would he ask you? What would Jesus say to you? What was the core essence of his message, his gospel? that he would share with you? Well, what was it that he was always talking about? 
What did he focus on in most of his teachings? The more I've studied and prayed about all Jesus said, it's becoming clearer and clearer that Jesus was always focused on sharing the good news about the kingdom of God, the fact that it is at hand and within us. Sometimes we tend to put the cart before the horse. Now, that's a common phrase here in the United States. If you're listening in another part of the world, are you familiar with that saying, putting the cart before the horse? Well, if not, just imagine if you were to hitch up a horse behind a cart instead of in front of it, and then try to get the horse to push the cart forward. It just won't work. This saying means that we get things in the wrong order. We don't understand priorities, or we get the relationship between cause and effect mixed up. For example, if we have a problem or a need, all too often we jump right in trying to solve the problem or find a way to get what we need. That makes perfect sense, right? But Jesus says this is the wrong approach. We've put the cart before the horse, so to speak. We've got our priorities wrong, and we'll never find a lasting solution. Now, I can just hear someone saying, But James, if I've got a problem, I've got to solve it, right? Well, yes, but what is the best way to solve a problem, meet a challenge, or get something that you need? The world offers a wide range of possible solutions, but Jesus, as always, gives us the best way. In his Sermon on the Mount, and let's imagine you and I are there listening to him actually preach this sermon. Jesus explains why we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat, drink, or wear because God is going to take care of us just as he cares for the birds and the flowers of the field. You can read that in Matthew 6, 25-30. I've always felt like Jesus was reading his audience pretty well here. He knew what people were thinking, what they were afraid of, what they were struggling with, if they were worried about not having enough to eat or enough clothes to wear. Today, people are often worried about these same things, plus a whole lot more. Jesus was reaching out to those worried hearts in the crowd that day to encourage and empower them spiritually. He makes that famous remark, which is about two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew six thirty-one through 33. Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the people who didn't know or believe in God, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here is Jesus' core message. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's not enough to know this kingdom exists or to hear Jesus talk about it. Jesus wants us to discover it for ourselves, to engage with it and be citizens in his Father's kingdom. Well, it's pretty clear what the first thing is that Jesus wants us to do. First and foremost, He wants us to seek the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. 
And that's what the title of this episode is all about. Jesus said, Do this first. When we discover the presence of God's kingdom here and now and within us, as Jesus describes it later on in Luke 17.21, he promises that God will meet all our needs. So let's get back to this question of how to solve our problems and get the things we need. Jesus says we first must seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But are we actually doing it? Well, sometimes yes, we are, but sometimes we're not. Unfortunately, we've heard this phrase, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, so many times that it has become a spiritual soundbite, something familiar that rolls too easily off the tongue. We know the words oh so well. But once again, imagine you and I are in that crowd listening to Jesus say these words for the first time. He's talking about the very things you're worried about. You feel like he understands what you're dealing with and the struggles you're facing. And then he drops that truth bomb that we need to seek God's kingdom first before trying to get what we need. That's really a startling thing to say. It kind of goes against common sense. But somehow it starts to make a lot of sense the more you think about it. Sometimes we hear that phrase today, seek first the kingdom of God, and we think of it in a chronological way that we're supposed to seek God's kingdom before we do anything else. But it can also be used in the sense of being our first priority. There may be times in your life when the first thing you do in a situation is not to get out your Bible and pray to find the kingdom of God, but seeking the kingdom is still the overall and first priority in your life. Jesus lives this precept in his own life to show us how to live it in ours. Think of how often Jesus tells parables about the kingdom of heaven. He's always nurturing his listeners to get a better sense of God and his kingdom. One time somebody asked Jesus, this is in Matthew 22, 36-38, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus uses the word first to say it's at the top of the list, but it's also the most important. And Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy 6 5. He always puts God and his kingdom first. Think about how the Lord's Prayer starts. This is in Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Here again, Jesus puts God and his kingdom first. He doesn't want us to start our prayers telling God our problems. No, we start with God and pray for his will in heaven to be fulfilled here on earth. Because when we are conscious of the presence of God in his kingdom, which represents his authority and supremacy, we'll be in a mental and spiritual frame of mind to receive the answers and solutions that God has for us. 
when you start your prayers with the problem, you're more apt to end up with the problem. But when you start your prayers with the solution, which is the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're much more likely to end up with a solution. Jesus always put God first in everything he did. In John 5.30, he said, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In John 7.16, Jesus said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Jesus always turns our thought back to the Father. Let's look at a few examples of people in the Bible who were seeking God and his kingdom and see what we can learn from them. One time, a young, rich man came to Jesus. This is in Mark nineteen seventeen through 22 Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is pretty much what we're talking about. It's the same thing as seeking the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Here again, Jesus points us to God. Verse 19. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. First of all, I want to say, this is the only person Jesus ever told to sell everything. It's not a literal command for everyone. It was designed to force this young man to come to grips with which kingdom was more important to him, his own or God's. This young, rich man appeared to be seeking first the kingdom of God and probably thought he was but he wasn't willing to let go of his own little kingdom. It's really easy to wag our judgmental fingers at this fellow because he decided not to follow Jesus, but I like to give him the benefit of the doubt. He may have changed his mind later. Of course, there's no way to know, but Jesus planted a seed in his heart that day about getting priorities right, and it may just have sprouted and blossomed at some point. So thinking about leaving everything behind to follow Jesus, can't you just see the smile on his face when Peter said, We have left all we had to follow you. That's in Luke eighteen twenty-eight. That's really what Jesus is asking of us. You and I can take the spirit of Jesus' command to sell everything and follow him. Are we willing to get rid of and let go of all? all the belief systems and emotional baggage we've accumulated from the past? Are we willing to leave our little kingdoms for God's kingdom? There are times and seasons in our lives when we do just this. 
and there are times when we may hold on to something we need to eventually let go of. But we can always keep going forward in this seeking first the kingdom of God process. There's another example I want to mention when Jesus turns our focus to what's in heaven as opposed to what's happening on earth. At some point when Jesus' ministry was expanding, he sent 70 disciples, some ancient manuscripts say 72, out to preach the gospel and heal the sick. You can find that story in Luke 10, verse 1. When they came back some days later, they said to Jesus, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They were pretty impressed that they had done such wonders while they were preaching. But Jesus, as always, repoints them to what's going on in heaven. He says in Luke 10, 20, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's a pretty interesting statement. As joyful as we should be when we're healed or God works out a problem in our lives or delivers us from a challenging situation, of course we want to be grateful and it's normal to rejoice. But Jesus is saying, what you really want to rejoice over is the fact that your name is written in heaven. Do you see a pattern here? Jesus is always refocusing our thoughts on God and the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How do we do it? Well, first, I think it's important that we realize our need for seeking God and his kingdom and his righteousness as our first priority. There needs to be a genuine, sincere desire in your own heart. You can't just do this because some preacher told you you should or because you heard it on this podcast. And I think the most important thing is to acknowledge your right and ability to seek and find God's kingdom. There are too many people today who believe God's kingdom is not here and cannot be discovered here on earth. It's only after we die that we'll find heaven. But Jesus rebukes that mindset when he makes that bold statement that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One time many years ago, I went to a church program with a friend. The speaker was talking about God as the divine intelligence that governs the whole universe. I don't really remember much about what she said, but just before she finished her remarks, she challenged us, in a good way, to go out and look for all the evidence of God's intelligence wherever we could find it. She had given us lots of examples For instance, the way traffic lights work and people, most of the time, obey them. She said that was an example of people reflecting God's intelligence. Well, my friend and I came out of that meeting so excited. We saw God's intelligence manifested everywhere. The orderly bricks in the pedestrian walkway. The frequent placement of trash cans in the public square. Directions on signs the way buildings were designed and built, the creative way things were displayed in shop windows. We saw examples of God's intelligence everywhere. Now, maybe the people who had built or created these things didn't necessarily think God had given them the ideas, 
but the speaker had shared her belief that it was, nevertheless, God who is the source of all intelligence, whether we realize it or not. The point I want to make is that all this evidence of intelligence was there long before my friend and I noticed it as such. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing as you seek first the kingdom of heaven. Look for every evidence you can find of God's presence. Look for the way God's kingdom is revealed. Situations where God's goodness and grace and love are shining through. It could simply be the smile of a baby laughing with her mother. It might be the way someone speaks with a soft, loving voice and melts away someone else's anger. You and I might be either one of those someones at any given moment. Look for ways God is revealing himself and his kingdom to you. There are examples everywhere but we need to open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and search for them. We need to put off our microscopic vision focused on ourselves and our little kingdoms and look up and out with a larger perspective on what God is doing in our lives and the world. There are so many ways to seek and discover God's kingdom here and now, but I think probably the best approach is hinted at in something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Again, imagine standing there and hearing Jesus say this. This is Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The way to seek and discover the kingdom of God is to do God's will. That's what opens our eyes to see it. But how on earth are we supposed to know what God's will is? Well, a good place to start is taking to heart everything Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. I keep coming back to the Sermon on the Mount. Have you noticed? When you put Jesus' teachings from that sermon into practice in your daily life, you are doing God's will. And when you are doing God's will, This is the kingdom of God in action, and it's the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus' hope and prayer for all of us. And in the process, you're not just seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness as your first priority you will discover and experience them as well. Thanks so much for listening today. We're in week 21 of our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. This week, the aspect of Jesus' mindset we're going to think and pray about is the fact that Jesus knew he would be victorious over the cross, death, and the grave. Jesus said to his disciples, this is John 16:22. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. How can you and I embrace that same mindset? When you're facing a challenge, think of how Jesus knew God would deliver him from death. You and I can adopt this same attitude 
and have full trust that God will bring us through whatever problems we may be facing. So please think and pray about this during this coming week. Again, I want to thank you for being here and listening. I'm so grateful you tuned in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. You may know someone who would really appreciate today's message. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, I'm especially grateful you're here, and I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on my website. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form and you're all set. And as a special thank you for subscribing, I'll send you a link to a special prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. Just click on the link and check your download folder. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode or anything in the Bible, I would love to hear from you. I'd especially love to hear how you have been discovering the kingdom of God in your life. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Contact tab in the menu bar, and I'll be in touch. I look forward to hearing from you. As always, all the Bible references that I mentioned today in this episode will be in the show notes on my website. You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 137. This is episode 137. And if you're listening on your podcast app, there'll be a link to that page in the bottom of the description. I am so grateful for all the many ways that you have been supportive of this podcast. Thank you so, so much. It really means a lot to me. That's it for this week. Thanks again for being here. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care and we'll see you next time. God bless.